Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Rachel Cohn. I'm going rogue and not teaching on the Parsha this week, but rolling with the last moments of Shabbat Shuva to think about one biblical character's road after where we, we leave him on Rosh Hashanah, um, Yitzchak, after we leave him in the story of the Akedah on Rosh Hashanah. Just as we're thinking about our journey between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, I think the rabbinic thoughts on what may have happened to Isaac after the, after the Akedah can be inspiring for us to think about our own uh, teshuva journey in this season. So this was this was my inspiration in choosing to teach about something entirely different. So you can take off your Devarim hat, put it on the side <laughs> for a moment, and uh, and get your your beret sheet hat back on. So just as a as a recap from where we left off in the second day Rosh Hashanah reading, we know that Abraham was was called, tested by God, supposedly to to sacrifice his only son. And um, or his his special one. We know that he had Isaac and Ishmael, but he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, and um, and eventually the ram is provided instead. And then the last piece we hear about this story in Genesis twenty two verse nineteen, which if you're looking at the source sheet is is source one a. It says Abraham then returned to his servants, and they departed together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. But it's notable that Isaac is not mentioned at that point. And we, we, it's, it, it's not actually clear that he ever speaks to his father at all in the Torah narrative after that situation. So understandably, there's been a lot of questioning in rabbinic commentary about what happened to him after that point. And it should also, just so you understand the time period that the rabbis are commenting on, the, the time period as in the gap in the in biblical time, whatever that biblical time actually means. Uh, We then hear about Isaac again, several chapters later, and what is considered to be three years later, when it says that he was coming back um, from the vicinity of Be'er L'chai Ro'i. It says he was settled in the Negev. He went out walking in the field, and then he, he sees Rebecca approaching on the camel. They have this beautiful movie moment where their eyes meet, and she, she either falls off the camel or kind of like gracefully comes down off the camel, and, and they, they meet, and they start their, their partnership together and carry, carry the Jewish people forward. So the, the question that we're answering right now is what happened to him in between those two moments in those three years and presuming that he was, he faced some trauma or lingering challenges from this moment, what might the healing journey have been so that he could get to a place where he could then meet his wife and, and carry on with his life. Um, So we're going to look at, at three different ideas from two different commentators and uh, and think about if they make sense to us and how they might apply to our lives today. Um, so my husband is here with me and I might, I might pick on him again to read. Um, this is Andrew. So if you could read his Kuni's thoughts on what happened to Yitzchak in the years after the Akedah. That's me. Source, yes, that's me. And Abraham returned to his servants. Where did Yitzchak go? He was hidden in Gan Eden for three years, cited in Midrash HaGadol. A different interpretation 
he went to study Torah during those three years in the Academy of Aver in Bereshit Rabbah 5611. Great, thank you. So does anyone have thoughts, comments, just upon initially hearing these these two ideas that either he could have gone to Gan Eden for three years or gone to Yeshiva for three years? Uh, Brant? Look, if your dad tries to kill you, you're definitely not going home. So the question is, where are you going to go? So you're either entitled to some sort of respite in Gan Eden or you're going to lose yourself in study. That's a kind way of looking at the mental trauma by having yourself almost executed by your the one that you love and then released from that. So clearly we know he's not going home after that. Why these two, it could be many reasons, but whatever it is, he needs time to overcome the trauma. Great. Beautiful. So, so um, thank you, Brant, for naming that Gan Eden might be a piece that's kind of, kind of, you know, respite, a break from this traumatic situation or losing himself in study. Do, um, does anyone else have other ideas about what he might have gained or benefited from or processed in either of these two environments? Bacharax, is that a raised hand? I think you can unmute yourself if you're trying to answer. Well, I don't, I don't think either one of them are possible. I mean, I mean, it sounds nice. There's too many rabbis in the world. But I, I just think he probably left. He left home. And, you know, I, I think he probably wandered the fields with his sheep and everything else and just had time by himself because that's, again, the trauma was significant. But I just don't think he was... It sounds nice he's at a yeshiva, and it's nice he went up to Gan Eden, which is not someplace anybody can go to. But I, I just think it's, he needed time by himself in, in the process of what was happening. Right. The rabbis have a tendency to kind of imagine their own life placed onto biblical characters. So, yes, uh, Rabbi Schatz. I think you have to unmute. I just needed Kenji to unmute me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've always, and I'm sorry that I don't have the source sheet in front of me. Um, it's just one of those weeks where printing was a lot for young people. Um, so the, one of the things I've always thought about with this commentary was that maybe it's not similar to what Gary just mentioned. Maybe it's not the actual place, but maybe it's the frame of mind. So yes, maybe he didn't go to Gan Eden or maybe he didn't study in the yeshiva all day. But maybe what he busied himself with to get that respite that Brand was talking about was to actually put himself in like a mindful, meditative maybe state or to busy his mind and his thoughts with Torah. Um, and the other reason I mentioned I don't have this source sheet in front of me is I'm sorry if I just gave something away that you're going in the direction of. But that that has always been a way that I've that I felt like he can still be in the picture. And I agree with Gary that neither are, I don't believe that he went to Gan Eden, but that you can always take yourself to a certain mindset or a certain place by putting yourself there in your mind or in your own frame of work or um, busyness. Right. Great. That we can think about them as two different internal states. That He had to find a place of safety right. to just, physically feel enough comfort that he could move forward in his life. And, you know, if you only dwell in a place of safety, it's hard to move forward so that eventually he needed to busy himself with something 
thinking, right. learning, pushing himself so that he could, you know, start moving out of it. Um, I studied this with a bat mitzvah student once. And when, you know, at first she was like, it doesn't make sense for him to study a yeshiva because he's in the Torah. How could he have studied the Torah? And then she kind of thought, well, maybe he studied the Torah up until his own story and mm-hmm. looked at his dad's life and tried to gain more understanding about his dad and why he might have done what he did. So I thought that was a fascinating and very generous read towards Avraham thinking that the the yeshiva idea might be him trying to find some kind of healing with his dad or or healing with with God even. Mm-hmm. Um great. So there's one more kind of mentality mode possible healing that we're going to peek at next. And this is what Ramban's thinking. It starts from a grammatical comment about um, in verse 2219 up at the top of the source sheet. Um, No, sorry. What's listed as 1B on the source sheet when he reappears to marry Rebecca. That it says, um, So it's kind of a repetitive, like he came from coming. And Ramban picks up on this, trying to say, first of all, he doesn't think that he he was living in Be'er L'chai Ro'i. They're saying, oh, he like came from coming back from Be'er L'chai Ro'i, as in, you know, like if you went on vacation to, to you know, someplace we probably wouldn't go right now. But, if, you know, I came from coming to Florida to go, you know, I arrived at your party after having come from Florida. I didn't live there, but that's that's like where I had been had stopped before I made my way to you. And um so in in and he ends up reading that verb form as saying it was a repeated action. And I don't I don't know if, you know, our current understanding of grammar we would agree with this, but just to kind of roll with his his rabbinic framework that he thinks Be'er L'chai Ro'i was a place Yitzchak had repeatedly gone to and was essentially the last stop that he made before coming back to marry Rivka. And if if we think back again, even further in Genesis, we saw Be'er L'chai Ro'i with Hagar, not in the story that we read on Rosh Hashanah, but another time that she escaped to the wilderness. She had a, more than one rough spot in her life. After she conceived Ishmael and Sarah started treating her harshly, she ran away to the wilderness, has this moment with God, where God provides her with a well to nourish her physically, spiritually, and says, you know, it's like, it's okay, you can go back. And so that's kind of, if we think about what that place might have been, maybe after that there was a a, a vibe or a... a uh, people kind of got the idea that if you if you go to this spot, you know, there's this groovy God connection there. And if you think about the, the word itself, Be'er L'chai Ro'i, Be'er means well, L'chai is for the living one, and Ro'i is who sees me. And I think at least for Hagar, that is how that particular place functioned, that she she was in distress, she encounters God and is is seen and receives the sustenance that she needs. Okay, so that's kind of the context for what that place might have been. And then what Ramban is saying is Yitzchak was there just before coming back to marry Rebecca, and it was a place he had gone to multiple times. So maybe in that three-year period, he had repeatedly gone to his, you know, spiritual meditation center in Be'er L'chai Ro'i or something like that. 
And the last piece of what he writes that I have listed as source three is it was a place of prayer for him because of the appearance of the angel there referring to the situation with Hagar. So additional thoughts, questions on what he might've gained from, from that spot, Larry. I have a couple of comments. I'll save this, the answer to your question for last. Um, First of all, just to comment about going to Gan Eden way back there. Yeah. So Gan Eden was basically um, the origin, and that's where his father and his grandfather, who was already dead, and his great-grandfather came, came from. So maybe he went back to his, his father's home. I've never seen that explained, but it seems logical to me. Um, Alter translates the, 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 uh, the phrase... Ba-mi-bo, as he had come from the approach to Ber Lahairoi. So it's a geographical, he's coming from the from the road, from that direction. Not not from there, but from the road to the approach to. However, I think I I can't I can't claim this is original because I think I've heard this before. He was actually visiting Hagar. And basically Hagar adopted him, is one midrash. Hagar uh, readopted him after the death of Sarah. And he had already reconciled with Hagar and Ishmael, and he was actually had gone to their household, is where he had gone, not as a rejection of Abraham, maybe, but more because he no longer had a mother, because Sarah is already dead. So this she becomes his mother. So it's not simply that he goes there as a spiritual home; he goes there as an actually as an actual familial home. Is one possible interpretation. Beautiful. There's there's so many midrashic layers to to this many pieces of this story. Um, I think I read another one that said he was trying to bring Hagar back to his father in case he wanted to marry her again after Sarah died. Um, so so right. There's a lot of different ways of rabbis imagining that he's reconnecting with his his roots and different pieces of this strained family line. So again, if we're thinking, it seems like there's lack of clarity in the rabbinic understanding from some of the wording and the story, like where did he physically go? But it seems like there is a trend of he wanted to go back to family that welcomed him and he wanted to go back to understand his history, his past and some of his his roots. Um, Yes, Andrew. I I had something uh, something about the way we were talking in this conversation had me thinking another, it makes sense that he was traumatized. And another possible read with this situation might be a near-death experience would be a different psychological response. To think he came so close to being dead and every moment he has after that is a gift and, uh, and not necessarily being traumatized as much, although you think he'd have to be from his father. But um, the idea of somebody who goes continually back to a place of prayer and stuff, that could be... Well, anyway, I just thought that was like another way to read it, um, possibly. As him recovering from a near-death experience, not just the trauma of... Yeah, like if you get in a car accident, you could be traumatized for ages. And some people, they think, wow, I almost died there and I'm alive. And it gives them a whole new approach to life from what I've heard. Not that I've been through that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're hearing the, the Ramban's opinion that he repeatedly went to pray at this well as kind of a... Yeah, it's sort of a life-affirming thing going back to this place. And also going back to understand his fathers and things could be a life-affirming thing too or... It doesn't seem weak or broken, or if he was broken, I'd expect him to be frozen. 
and to do nothing is a common trauma response, but mm. he doesn't do that. Nice. And to just kind of roll with that. I mean, Gun Eden is the only of the options where I can really think he was sedentary. If you think mm-hmm. about Yeshiva, he probably would have been in community or at least had one Chavruta, theoretical Chavruta. And at a well, I mean, a well is a gathering place. It's where a lot of people in the Bible meet their spouses. In this case, he didn't literally meet Rebecca there. You know, like the Abraham servant picked her up at a well. Um, but but I think there is a motif of a well being a place of, of connecting community. Um, so we, yeah, back racks. I was just going to say that um, really related to the story that Larry was telling that it would make sense that after having this traumatic experience with his father, that he might be reaching out to other members of his family, you know, in a way to get connection that way. Right. Great. Um, So if we, we have just a few more minutes to think about these teachings, we can kind of zoom back out, look at the three different modalities for healing processing that we've brought up in these different commentaries the gun edin safety security idea, the going to yeshiva, busying yourself, learning, pushing yourself, maybe analyzing your own story mentality, and um, and the going to a well or a spiritual place idea. So I, I bring these three moments for you, um, not because there's necessarily agreement or clarity about the path that Isaac took to be able to re-enter society and rejoin the story as we see it. But because I think these are three important ways to think about our own, our own pathways in teshuva and entering this and beginning this new Jewish year, that there are times when we will need to find rest and safety. There are times when we will need to find a new skill, a new hobby to grow, to, to find also a different kind of escape in, in learning and study. And I think that there will be times when we need to find a place that's both personally spiritual, but also a connecting point that, that if we take the, the air lachairoi literally like a place for you that feels like a well overflowing with life, overflowing with the feeling that, that your community or God or some power in the universe sees you just as you are. And that's an important piece of, of healing and growth also. So I wish for all of us that we find any or all of these spaces as we need them in the rest of our teshuva process and in the year ahead. Shukran. Oh, yes. A, a gemar chatima tova. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.